Welcome to People from the Program, a podcast highlighting alumni from the NYU Music Business Program. Welcome everyone to People from the Program, the podcast that highlights the career journeys of alumni from the NYU Music Business Program. I'm your host, Bryce Butler, founder and chairman of the NYU Music Business Alumni Network and a proud alum myself of the NYU Music Business Program. On today's show, our guest is Andrew Nitty Nitteruth. He is a professional DJ with over eight years of experience, having performed at over 60 venues throughout his career with several Grammy-nominated and DJ Mag Top 100 artists. Additionally, he is also a music producer and audio engineer, working at Antenna Studios in Brooklyn and Studio Square Recordings in Queens. Nitty is also the sessions director for Antisocial Camp, the largest songwriting camp in the world based in the heart of NYC, and will be returning to camp for his third year in summer 2024. Nitty, welcome to the show. Hey, Bryce, how's it going? It's going well. I um, want to say appreciate you for coming on, and I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, excited to chat as well, too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, you know, I like to start with all my guests. Tell me about your journey to the NYU Music Business Program. You, you went to Tufts, and you had a very interesting major. So let's get started with that, and then tell me how you made it to the program. For sure, yeah. So it's a, a bit of a long-winded story for me, just like a lot of people that end up- We like long-winded stories here. <laughs> yeah, I, I could tell you that much. Um, but um, yeah, so for, for a lot of my academic career, I was actually gearing myself towards getting to medical school and wasn't really thinking about oh, wow. um, a career in music until you know the years went on through my undergrad at Tufts, through the five years that I lived in Boston after I graduated Tufts as well too. Um, so at Tufts, I was a biopsychology major. I was pre-med as well with an interest in psychology, the brain, um, and really, you know, kind of lumped into that major just given the, you know, the courses that I was just kind of naturally good at, um, things that I found interesting. And I think going to medical school was just a very, you know, uh, how do I put it? Uh, you know, a goal that was really easy to to latch on to, to feel like I had a purpose, something that I could do for other people. Yeah. Um, Tufts was very well known for its, uh, you know, its natural sciences and, and pre-med mm -hmm. program. Um, engineering was also really popular. And so just being in that sort of environment, it, it made sense by default, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then while I was in school as an undergrad, um, I was DJing mostly as a hobby, originally doing, um, you know, house parties and, and dorm parties my freshman year. And then sophomore year, started doing more events for the school, different fundraising events, different extracurricular club events as well. And then as I went on through my junior year and my senior year, I started doing more events for different Greek life organizations. Eventually, my senior year, I started doing private events at nightclubs out in Boston. And these would be, mm. you know, before the, the public nightclub events would start. So we would go from like 7 to 10 o'clock. And then after my private events were done, they would open up the club for the rest of the general public. And so my senior year, once I started getting more familiar with those clubs, doing those private events, I would stick around and 
try talking to the different promoters, the different club managers, and just mm. roam around the streets trying to find anybody that I could really talk to, honestly. Um, and there was one one club in particular I walked past with my friend who was helping me out with uh, the private event that we were doing that night. And there was a line out the door, um, like 1030, super early on in the night. Okay. And and I told my friend, hey, like, if I could play at this club and I could do it for free even, and they get me in for even like a half hour, I could quit my DJ career happy and, you know, hang up the headphones and never, never play there and never, never play again. Uh, as aspirational as that was at the time, I did end up running into the promoter who ran that night at, at a separate club. Um, again, just from doing these private events, I would just stick around and see who I could chat with. And one of them at a separate venue happened to also run that club as well. And I talked to him, told him I, I was a senior in college. I had a bunch of friends that uh, I would love to bring out to, a, to, to an event of his. And so I did a smaller event um, at one of his other venues, crushed it. And then my graduation weekend he asked if i wanted to do an opening set at that that club that i had ran into with the line out the door and i you know promoted it as as much as i could to my senior class made a flyer sent out invites on facebook and brought in pretty much like i don't know a a, a fifth maybe of like my graduating class like 150 mm. people or so and that was really what got my foot in the door in Boston nightlife. And meanwhile, I had just graduated with my, my biopsychology degree and I was gonna right. take my pre-med classes afterwards to, to finish up all my prereqs. And my original plan was to take the MCAT the following year, mm. apply, and then in the meantime, just get my fill of DJing un until, I, until I got into med school eventually. Mm. But mm. I noticed that as time went on, um, after I finished my pre-med prereqs, I had started gaining more traction in the Boston nightlife scene, not just from that one club, but also just from other people that I had met from, you know, continuing to go out and meeting people, continuing to try and make connections. And one year after graduating from Toss turned into two, two turned into three, three turned into four. And the more that I had continued to DJ, the more I wanted to kind of subconsciously continue to do it and in the meantime just to keep myself on pace to get to med school i actually started working at an inpatient psychiatric hospital just to continue oh, wow. to make you know make not make up for lost ground but to continue to like gain experience for my application but it in hindsight it I, i'm realizing now it it was kind of just buying more time to continue DJing. And I think it wasn't until COVID hit, um, more or less four years after I finished my undergrad. And that was the first time since college that I didn't have any gigs. They were all kind of wiped out in one fell swoop. Mm. Um, and that really gave me pause to think critically about, okay, it's, it's a global pandemic right now taking stock of what I had done over the past four years after graduating, where is my heart really at? 
And if I could choose one over the other versus splitting between, you know, this pursuit of medical school and a pursuit of a career in music, which I had never really thought that much about until, until COVID and, and having, you know, having the space to do so. Um, I, it, it took months throughout COVID to, um, to finally come to the conclusion that I, I did want a career in music and that's where my heart was at. I don't think there was ever really a single, you know, aha moment that did it so much as having conversations with people on both sides of the coin, having conversations with my friends that were in medical school and the amount of dedication that it took for them, having conversations with you know, my own doctors, my, my PCPs and, and what they, what their story looked like getting to medical school and having a career in medicine and what that looked like for them, having conversations with my DJ colleagues and those that were doing music full time, what that sort of life looked like, what got them to that point, having conversations with people who are producers that I made friends with who ended up moving to New York and moving to LA. And so after having all of those conversations that kind of informed me that, you know, throughout the five, the four or five years after I graduated, I could kind of hear myself being more excited whenever I would talk about music, whenever I would, you know, talk to other people, whenever I would do music myself. And for as much as working in that psychiatric hospital was arguably the most fulfilling and purposeful job that I had ever done. And I absolutely loved it. I, I never really felt that same sort of excitement as I did with music. And after I finished taking the MCAT during COVID, that was when, um, I kind of made that switch. You know, I, I tied up my loose ends and I did due diligence with this medical school pursuit. And I took a month off. I loosely researched a couple different schools. And I realized that by nature of me being a DJ in Boston, and all the connections that I had made both professional and otherwise, I had kind of already built up a application and a resume for all these schools that I was looking at without even really having to try to go out and seek people for like letters of recommendation, if that makes sense. And that, that was when I was like, you know what, like this, this makes sense. Like I was doing this the whole time without really thinking about it because it, it felt good and it felt right. And so why not take it a step further and take the dive in once this global pandemic finishes up, I'm only going to have one shot to, you know, do this full heartedly. Why not do it now? And the worst comes to worst, I could always go back and work in healthcare and, and, and go from there. But I felt like after COVID, that was kind of the time for me to really take a dive. And so I applied to a couple of different right. programs. Um, NYU made the most sense in a lot of ways, given that it was, you know, close by in New York, my parents and where I grew up was in Connecticut. I still had a ton of people that I was close with in Boston and I think a program that was more so career oriented, industry oriented was something that I was looking for versus going to a program like 
like a Berkeley that was going to teach me how to do music, but not as much in terms of like understanding the landscape of what a career would look like in the industry. And that's what really stuck out to me with with NYU. And I, I remember I was um, I, I had tweaked my hamstring throughout COVID and mm-hmm. I was doing physical therapy after um once once COVID had kind of lifted, I was doing physical therapy and starting to get back into running again. I remember coming out of a physical therapy session, opening my acceptance email from NYU with the confetti popping up and everything and oh, wow. was ecstatic. And I felt my heart lifting up in my chest like, OK, like it's actually happening. This next chapter of my life is is happening in, in this sort of way. And I, I, I've been in the, I was in the program for the past two years, just graduated this past spring and throughout the whole, whole journey, I could tell you that I have not regretted a single moment mm. of taking that dive to, to come into New York and being in this, being in this amazing program. And again, that's not to say that I, you know, hated working in healthcare or like dreaded, um, working in that hospital, but I think it was more so this was where my heart was at um, throughout all of it. And I couldn't be any more thankful to be where I'm at right now. Wow. So um, I guess first things first, welcome to the NYU Alumni Club. <laughs> Thank you. It feels great to be here. Yeah, it feels great to be here. And, and then we start you off a couple months later being on the podcast, which is great. Um, second is... I, there have been other stories on the podcast of people, you know, doing major shifts to follow their passion, their dream, mm-hmm. and pursue this degree and pursue working in the industry. And I always ask them, what was that conversation like with your family being younger <laughs> and saying, mm-hmm. hey, you know, that medical career I was going to pursue, I've decided I'm going to go in a different direction. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, what were, I'm just curious, what were those conversations like? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've had several of them um, with my parents. And I think in a lot of ways, I I dreaded having that definitive conversation that I was going to apply to to music schools in in that context that you just kind of put, you know, I think any parent whose kid has these aspirations to go to medical school and has been doing so for years and years and years on end and for them to then seemingly out of the blue say oh like by the way i kind of want to do music instead sorry mom sorry dad you know um just like face value i i i kind of dreaded having that conversation because i didn't want to disappoint them or, or didn't want to make them feel like they had invested so much time and energy and and wasted it in that sort of way and i think when so when i when i finally did have that conversation i was very i I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised but i it felt really good to have their support and have their approval um i i talked with them while i was home in connecticut and explained to them my game plan to go to a master's program at NYU to pursue how to have a career and let them know that this is something that I was really invested in. And my dad was just kind of like, okay, 
yeah, I kind of knew. And I was like, what? Like, what, what do you mean? And I, I think they kind of saw firsthand from, from a distance, albeit, but firsthand what my, what, what that trajectory was looking like after I graduated my undergrad and then throughout the four or five years afterwards. Like, I would tell them all the time whenever I would have these gigs or whenever I would, you know, meet certain people in nightlife or in the Boston music scene. And I think they kind of heard that excitement along the way. And I think for them, it also took those four or five years to see just how invested I was in doing music. And whereas if I graduated tops and I told them off the rip, Oh, by the way, like, I want to go do music now. I think that would have been a very different conversation, but I think having those four or five years after I graduated undergrad got them that much more comfortable. And um, yeah, no, I think a lot of that conversation I dreaded more so in my own head versus, Mm -hmm. you know, what, where my parents actually saw things at. Um, my mom was more so concerned. Oh, so I, I don't really know anything about the music industry or having a career in music. Can you tell me what your general plan is and like what sorts of jobs there are in the, in the industry and, you know, filled her in for as much as I knew at the time, given that now I know way much more about the industry than I did before the program. Um, but I think for, for my mom and my dad, both, they just wanted to make sure that I was really deliberate about my next step in, in life, that I wasn't just doing it on a whim that I was thinking long and hard about it and that I was going to be able to take care of myself in a new city as well, too. Um, I think that was a big concern with my mom because she, you know, both of my parents being in Connecticut for as long as they've been, New York is a way different beast of a city than anything right. in Connecticut. It's it's a lot bigger and a lot more going on than Boston as well, too. Um, so I think they just wanted to know at the end of the day that that I was invested and serious and, and was going to take care of myself and keep them posted along the way, too. Well, it's great. And it's great to hear that you had the support you know, of your family as you made that transition, because mm-hmm. obviously that's a big, that's a big decision at that time. For and sure. So that's great to hear. So, okay. So you were set up, um, things were looking good to, to make that transition. You get accepted into the program. What was the process like for you applying to the program? And obviously you had your, your background in medical, but you had been very entrepreneurial pursuing almost like, your your second passion, which was DJing. Mm-hmm. And then when you got interviewed, what was it like talking about that and and having to say, hey, this is why I want to pursue the program? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a lot easier than I was expecting to talk about my own experiences with music just because of how, again, like kind of subconsciously I was doing so many different things in, in Boston with not just DJing, but also putting on my own events and doing different fundraisers. And, um, you know, when, when I was writing my, I forget which exact question, but it was basically, what would you write your master's colloquy on? I think was one of the application questions. I wrote about how one of my biggest goals was to tie my experience 
my experiences with music and tie my experiences with working in mental health and working in psychiatry and putting that together into you know my what would eventually be my master's colloquy which i did end up doing which was uh really cool to do um and it was it was pretty natural for me to talk about um my experiences with music in boston and my experiences with working in mental health because i was so invested in in both of them and I think just by nature of having already done things that I was just so excited about, having those conversations and writing those questions in my application process um, to, I would say to my surprise, came very naturally because, you know, with all that I was doing with trying to get to medical school, I was working so hard to get experiences and to make connections to get letters of recommendations and referrals. But with music, I kind of did it all by default um, without really having to go out of my way to um, find people to write letters of recommendation for me that I felt comfortable with because I was already meeting so many of them just by nature of of DJing and working with different, different companies in different areas in Boston. Um, but yeah, I think just, just um, yeah, to, to sum it up, just by, by default of, all the things that I was really invested in, it it made those conversations that much easier, especially given that I was, this was all very new to me as well too and exciting in that sort of way. So I wanted to be talking about things that much more too. Excellent, no, that's great. Okay, so you get into the program, taking your classes. What was your favorite class from the program and why? Oh, can I say two? I will allow two, but just yeah, for you, just for I, you. I appreciate that. And and one one wasn't really as much of, uh, I guess, I guess it was a class, but I would say one of my favorite classes was um, promotions and publicity in the music industry with Kathy Yandley. And so yes. that was a big favorite of mine because a lot of the, I mean, this was the case for a lot of my other courses too, but the assignments that we had in the class were very hands-on and things that we could also use in our own ways outside of the classroom. So we ended up writing press releases. We ended up writing release plans for artists. Um, one of the assignments was keeping a running diary of the different uh, promotional things that a certain artist was doing throughout the semester. And so with the, the press release that I wrote for an independent artist that I knew personally, I was really excited to do it for him because I knew him in the way that I did. And I ended up shooting it over to him after I finished. And he said, dude, this is incredible. I've been paying somebody to write my press releases and they don't come close to like this sort of work that you did. If anything, I would love to use your release. And if you're down to write another one for me for my next release, like I would love that as well, too. And so that was really cool. And I think that was the first time, not just in the program, but in general, that a school assignment, I was like, somebody else was getting value from and making use of. And that was one right. of the coolest things for me. And the the experience that I got from just being able to write in a professional manner I think is a very useful skill in general. And I've also been using for 
my own releases, when I'm working with other artists and coming up with bios just to kind of help people out as well, too. That was a very applicable skill that I, I really valued. And also uh, the professor is just the the coolest the coolest person. She was also in our program as well, too. And I could tell that the the work that she was doing, she was so stoked about because she would always say how she remembered when she was in the program and she wished that there was a class like this and her being able to teach it every time we would go into class, you could kind of tell she was over the moon, so excited to talk about what she was doing. Um, so that was one of them. And I would say the the second one, um, not so much like a, a class, but writing my master's colloquy was one of the most fulfilling experiences. And also for, for me, at least, it might sound weird for other people, but I had so much fun writing it as well, too. And I mentioned how when I applied to the program, I had a goal to incorporate mental health into my music education and write mm. this, write this, this sort of paper mm. and being able to do that and explore the current state of mental health in the music industry and make use of my experience and my knowledge about mental health in this music environment was I, I was just so amazing for me and professor professor spink who was working with me with my colloquy was very supportive and i had so many fun conversations talking to him about uh, about my topic as well. And similarly, that was also a, uh, a piece that I've been able to send out to other people in the industry, other friends of mine, and them being able to, you know, read it and take something away from it was also really cool to cool for me as well, too. Um, but yeah, I think in general, um, you know, those are, I would say were the two classes, so to speak, that I enjoyed the most. But I really enjoyed all of my classes just because I felt like each one gave us an opportunity to do assignments and take whatever subject we were learning at the time and turn it into our own, into something that we were also interested in, whether it was doing a project on a certain artist or doing a project on a certain company. There was a lot of flexibility for us to use our classes to really delve into things that we were personally uh, interested in. Mm, that's great. Oh, and you know what? I feel we should tell the people when you say colloquy, um, the colloquy is in the NYU Music Business Program is at the end of the master's program, you do this kind of thesis that you that you're going to put out and put together and you pick a topic and you write it. So just in case the people didn't know what colloquy was, that's what that is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's um, it's very it's uh, more so unique to our program. And one more thing about the the master's colloquy. So Professor Spink had for for our professional development sequences that we do every month to kind of network and get uh, different guest speakers. One that we do every year. Uh, Professor Spink being ah, Professor Spink mm -hmm. brings back former students to talk about their colloquies to kind of gear up the current students for theirs. And oh, so I so I was brought back to talk about my colloquy and one of the first year students came up to me 
and just wanted to hear more about my, you know, my experience writing it, my background in mental health. I followed up with her at our alumni event um, a couple months ago, I guess, was it last month or two months ago, whenever it was. And she told me that she was also very interested in mental health, um, read through my colloquy. And I told her that I was actually in touch with a record label that is also looking to tie mental health towards uh, supporting the mental health of their own artists and breaking stigma around mental health in the music industry. And I actually mm. put her in touch for an internship, oh, an internship with the, with the record label. And so that was a really neat um, thing coming away from the, the colloquy as well, too. Yeah, I mean, it's really great. And um, I I just, I interviewed um, a little bit ago, um, Jackie Polino, and mm. she is doing work with music and mental health as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were just talking about how you could take this program and go do um, different things and take it different directions that it is not just a straight line of, oh, I'm coming to learn how to work at a record label or something like that. Like, right. there are many ways and many things that you can do. So it's great to hear how you've tied your backgrounds in to add your contribution to this program in the industry. Yeah, no, really, great. really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, you know, you got your classes, you've gone through. If you had to pick one main takeaway you got from the program, what would you say it would be? One main takeaway from the program, I think mm -hmm. you, I think you kind of touched on this just now in terms of, mm -hmm. you know, we, we learn about all the different aspects of the music industry. We take the different courses that we do. And I think in a lot of ways, like you were kind of saying, it's not like, oh, I'm really interested in one of these specific classes. Let me go find a job in that specific area. I think the program does a really, really cool job of equipping you with all of these different, you know, pieces of knowledge and different ways of thinking. Okay, now find out how to make use of all of that in a way that makes sense for you and that makes sense for me that fits my experiences that fits my interests and how do i take this experience and turn it into my own i think that was a big takeaway where i i never really felt like um you know we we obviously had to learn like in in law and the music industry like different specific pieces of copyright law and in publishing like different dates and years of how long, you know, certain copyright things take place where we, we definitely had these pieces of knowledge, but I felt like a big takeaway from the program was learning how to think critically about these different aspects of the industry, learning how to think critically about music and the different aspects of business that go around it. Um, and I think like, like you just kind of said too, um, how I'm kind of tying things, different things that I'm interested in into what I'm doing now, I think a lot of that came from not just being in the classroom, but having experiences with other people in my program, seeing what other people are excited about, what other people are interested in, and tying all of that together, both in the classroom and outside of the classroom, and informing what it is that I want to do, informing who I want to also work with. and. That, I would say that was a big takeaway is the program 
empowering us to really pursue and equipping us with the the skills and the knowledge and the connections to leave the program and really dive into what right. we want to do and what makes sense for us. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, okay, let's kind of tie into that training and equipping as, okay, so now you've made this pivot and now you are completely in the program pursuing it. And then one of the big things about that is interning. Mm -hmm. So coming from your medical background, what was your experience interning? Since you had already had the experience of building up your skills and continuing progressing as a DJ, um, and I know we're going to start talking about that. Um, how did you decide where to intern and, and, and what was that process like for you? Yeah. So I think um, separate from, you know, thinking about where I wanted to intern, I knew throughout the program that as a DJ and as a producer, um, so I had started producing about a year before COVID. So like 2018, 2019 or so, and then continued to produce my own music throughout um, throughout NYU as well, too. I knew personally, I really wanted to get to a point with audio engineering in terms of mixing and mastering so that mm. I could be comfortable not just mixing and mastering my own stuff, but also to have that competency to also work with other artists, not just in terms of compensation, but having another avenue and skill to be able to connect myself with other artists, if that makes sense. Um, so I knew that was that was a goal of mine um, throughout the program, internship aside. And another goal was I similarly just wanted to have opportunities to work with different creative people, whether it would be producers, songwriters, artists, engineers, and what have you. And as I was applying to internships in the fall of my first year, I saw one posting for Antisocial Producers Club. And so Antisocial Producers Club is this collective of around 50, 60 or so different producers, artists, songwriters in the New York mm -hmm. music scene that collaborate with each other, that put they put on different events throughout the year the big one being antisocial camp, which I definitely want to talk about in this in this conversation as well. Oh, and absolutely. It, it just seemed like the the perfect internship to again be able to shadow these different creatives and help them out with their careers. And it seemed like it was more than just, okay, like you're gonna set up, you know, the mics for this producer or you're gonna like carry equipment for this one. It seemed like an opportunity to really be able to foster a community in New York, but in the context of music production and, and creation. Um, but if that makes sense, it was more than just like uh, a production internship. And so I, yeah, and so I got accepted to, to that internship. And one of the big things during the spring that I was involved with was putting on a small, well, relatively small, I would say, compared to antisocial camp, um, but a, a, a local songwriting camp that we called SongCon that was in partnership with Ari Herstan from Ari's Take, who actually wrote one of our okay. textbooks for the for the for the music business program, actually, which is oh, pretty nice. cool. 
Um, so I helped uh, Danny Ross, who's the founder of Antisocial Producers Club and Antisocial Camp, and Ari, who Danny's tight with as well. I helped them put on a, I think it was like a 50, 60 person local New York songwriting camp across two days. And my job was to screen all of the applicants and pair them up, or not pair, but like group them up into different sessions throughout the two days based on their music style, based on their roles. If there was people that were specifically producers or specifically artists or specifically songwriters, I had this master spreadsheet just jumbling everybody and matching them up into different blocks. And then throughout the throughout the two days, kind of providing support for all the different artists that were coming in. And that was my first foray into the the role that I'm in now as sessions director for the larger antisocial camp. And so mm. that spring internship doing that smaller songwriting camp and getting familiar with the careers of the artists that we had on our antisocial roster, that mm -hmm. kind of prepped me to become the sessions director for the bigger antisocial camp that was the following June. Yeah. And so I don't think I was originally supposed to specifically be that role. I think we had another person who was supposed to be the main sessions director, sessions coordinator, and for one reason or another, they weren't able to um, they weren't able to make camp anymore. And then that role and responsibility just kind of naturally and inevitably fell onto me where I ended up, excuse me, curating about a hundred sessions for this bigger songwriting camp in, in June. And given how that camp went after the fact, and um, the sessions were incredible. I think we had around 50 new songs over the course of a week that were made, oh, um, wow. which was the, the coolest, coolest, coolest thing that I had done at that time. Um, and arguably to this day, working with Antisocial Camp is up there with the coolest things that, that I've done in music. The, after that camp, the camp director asked if I wanted to come back the following year in a more dedicated role to curate not just the the recording sessions on the week, but also to curate the lineups for our different events. Um, we have a showcase for the artists that are part of the camp on the first day at Baby's All Right that's sponsored by Spotify that I did the oh, whole performance lineup like picking and choosing the the programming throughout the night um we had a really cool writers round at the d'angelico showroom in manhattan where i paired up or again matched up groups of like four or five artists to mesh with each other and showcase their songs together and yeah that that internship has turned into um one of the the coolest experiences and fostered so many amazing relationships with producers and artists in New York and with uh, the founder, Danny Ross, fostering that relationship with him as well, too, to grow this camp year after year. 
Um, so yeah, he, I actually just hopped off a call with him a couple days ago, it's game planning already for this next year's camp coming up in, in June as well. Um, so that was one of the coolest, um, oh, things wow. that I've been able to do, um, not just through NYU and through that internship, but just music as a whole, I, I would say cooler than any gig, any DJ gig that I've, that I've had personally. Um, and then the, the second internship that I had was as a audio engineering intern at this mm. dope little studio out in Queens, Studio Square Recordings, where I currently work at now. And so the following spring in this past spring, at this past spring in 2023, um, I was mostly just shadowing the different engineers there doing different training sessions on my own and getting feedback from them and i found over time that the recording studio was evolving and doing more than just mixing and mastering services they were starting to do more podcast uh, mm. recordings and doing more post-production for podcasts for right. tv and film they were recording music videos in the back room that's fully equipped with a, a giant projector screen. They ended up getting a green screen for the lobby towards the end of the spring so that they could do more video content for any artists oh, okay. that were coming in. And I saw over time that this space was becoming very dynamic and multidimensional, which I wrote about in um, my internship papers as well, too. And being a part of that was really cool. I got to be involved with programming for World Star Hip Hop's Culture Shock series. Uh, Culture Shock series. Oh wow! Um, in, in partnership with with DJ Drewski, which was really cool. And <laughs> okay. it was a, um, you know, I don't know if you know the show uh, Ridiculousness, where they kind of watch like viral videos and yes. comment on mm -hmm. them. So it was analogous to that, but they would watch music videos with different up and coming artists and also prominent artists as well. And they would have a different uh, featured artist come in to also interview and look over these music videos as well too. And so that was really cool to be involved with. And throughout the rest of the summer, I doubled down and did a second semester of uh, an internship there. And then over time, some of the engineers some of the the full-time engineers there ended up leaving to go work elsewhere and so throughout this past fall and and winter i would say now um I'm, i've been being brought on to train and get up to speed to be a new uh in-house engineer for them as well too which has been oh, wow. a, pretty, a pretty cool development just by nature of you know doing cool things for the studio because I thought they were cool and doing things that were maybe a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but showing that I was very interested in just helping out and being around these different artists, these different music people. Um, I think a lot of people could probably relate when you get your opportunities in the industry, they kind of come when you least expect it. And I think you kind of have to do your part to just be helping people because you want to be helping people doing things because you think they're cool and exciting without really asking for anything in return. And then people 
see that. And then when the opportunities do come up, they trust you, they know you, they know right. that you're invested for all the right reasons. And I would say that was definitely the case with Antisocial Camp and Antisocial Producers Club and Studio Square for right. as much as, you know, when you do an internship, the, the idea is that you will hopefully end up working there or adjacent to there in some capacity. Right. Mm -hmm. But I was just trying to do all the things that both spots were doing just because I thought they were, it was just so cool to work with, with both, with both spots. And I'm, I'm very thankful that they've turned into, into the opportunities that I have now as well, too. Well, yeah, this is important because, you know, there's, there's nothing inherently wrong, obviously, if, oh, if I interned somewhere, I'd like an opportunity to continue and work there. Right, right. But I like also what, but what you're talking about is a little bit of a, there's, there's a layer to that, right? Like, you're going there and being a part of what they're doing and then trying to add as much value as possible because you're trying to create lanes within those places based on your own passions. Mm -hmm. So you're going in and saying, and saying, okay, at the studio, they're becoming this multi-layered place where they're doing all these different things. Let me not even think about, hey, there may not be a job here, but I want to grow my skill set and I want to be a part of what they're doing. So therefore you become so valuable that that they like, oh, okay, boom, there's a position here. There's a role here for you. Same right. thing with anti-social camp. Right. So it's not just about, oh, okay, I'm here and I, I want to get a job, but you're almost creating your own lane and creating your own job within that internship. Right. That's a really good way to put it because, yeah, when I got um... – when I first accepted my internship for Antisocial Camp and Antisocial Producers Club, I had no idea that I was going to be curating sessions for that smaller songwriting camp. That kind of came up like about a month into the internship. And Danny said, hey, we're doing this songwriting camp on a whim. I know it's not something we really talked about going into the internship, but are you down? And I said, yeah, of course, you know, and that wasn't really something that I was expecting, but I thought it was really cool and figured it would give me like you were kind of getting at valuable experience and skills to have another lane to, to navigate through after the fact. And the same thing with, with studio square, I was thinking it was going to be a purely audio engineering, mixing and mastering kind of, kind of deal. And then I didn't realize until again, like another month or two into it, that they were starting to do more video production work. And being asked to do that, I said, hey, I'm, I'm here. Like, yeah, sign me up. But those those opportunities, I was not really anticipating going into it. But like you were kind of saying, the more value that you can show, the more skills that you can develop and, and the more uh environments you can kind of put yourself out of your wheelhouse even though it might not be something that you're expecting or comfortable with i think right. the better off you're going to be after the fact for sure yeah absolutely i mean it makes yeah that makes a ton of sense i i wanted to not pivot per se but just add something to just the whole idea of the dj and the producer i want to ask you something and get your thoughts since mm -hmm. you've You've been in the space, you've been pursuing DJing, you've you've had success DJing. Why it's it's been my experience that a lot of DJs are very slow to move into mixing, mastering, and producing. Mm -hmm. Whereas it seems you early on said, Oh yeah, I'm gonna do this D I'm I'm gonna DJ, but I'm really gonna explore 
these other avenues of music creation mm. and kind of put my put my bones down there and and see what I can grow. Are you seeing more producers or, or I should say more DJs intrinsically coming and saying I'm going to produce too or do you still see a, a separation where DJs aren't really moving into into the production lane um as as quickly or as easily as you think? Yeah, no, that's a great question and I think um long story short, I would say my opinion is that I do feel like there are more DJs that are also looking to produce as well too. I think with technology and, you know, different ways that you can learn about DJing on YouTube and just the sheer number of venues that are that are popping up and and looking to have djs there as well too and also just i think dj culture in general is just booming at an all-time high right now i think there's that many more people that are trying to dj and i think being able to produce on top of it is a way for people to kind of separate themselves a bit more whether you're even just producing different mashups and dj edits or different remixes i think for people that specifically want to just purely dj and not produce at all i think there's always going to be you know a space for for those djs and i know tons and tons of super talented djs that don't produce at all that have incredible full-time careers but i think it it adds another dimension when you can also produce your own work as well too and I think there's this notion of, you know, when you talk about like the big name DJs, like the David Geddes and the Calvin Harris's and those like big superstar DJs, I think people kind of naturally lump them into the DJ producer category without even really thinking about it. Um, and I think for people that are trying to be not just DJs, but also full-fledged artists being able to produce is just another lane to give yourself more avenues for creativity more avenues for creating your own brand versus just djing as a as a skill and as a as right. an activity itself if that makes sense right absolutely okay so one more question just about the djing in general do you in terms of the music itself do you pick a lane do you are you the are you the all-purpose dj if they ask for the edm style you got that if it's all hip-hop party you can go deep into that bag if it's r&b reggae afro beats you can go there like how would you describe yourself as a dj yeah that's a great question i would say um i would say two sides there's the dj dj side of me at my core where whatever venue whatever gig i'm being asked to do i'm going to want to do due diligence for the event at hand whether it's an open format sort of night whether it's a a house and dance sort of night whether it's a, a reggae reggaeton afro beats sort of night what have you at my core if i'm signing up for a gig or if somebody's asking me for a gig and i'm taking it i am 100 gonna do due diligence and respect that, you know, that, that particular event. And I think DJing in Boston really, you know, gave me the chops to do so just Boston being 
such a small uh, or relatively small, um, but very diverse city in its way. I've had to, by default, be able to play so many different genres and play in so many different environments where, you know, coming into New York, where it's that much bigger and also has a very similar sort of diversity, I'm able to be that much more adaptable and research whatever sort of music I need to have in order to, you know, play whatever whatever gig that I have at hand. And so that's that's the the DJing side of things in terms of, you know, me having my own artist project and DJing through my artist project, that is in a little bit more of its own lane. So when I DJ with my artist project, Andrew Nitty, it's more dance music oriented, more house, where the gigs that I do through through that that I'm pushing and promoting through that are a bit more in that lane. But having said that, there are ways that I tie my um, interest in dance music into my interest in like 90s and 2000s R&B, where I find right. remixes and make my own edits to incorporate that as well, too. So I, I would say my, my artist project is a bit more um, dance music leaning. But I do gigs outside of my artist project as well, too. Again, for whatever is at hand, um, I think all music, as cheesy as it sounds, um, right. I, I appreciate all different kinds of music, whether or not I have certain preferences and tendencies. Um, at the end of the day, DJing is DJing. And when a crowd is really going wild to to your music and having a great time that feeling is going to feel the same regardless of what what music you're playing right absolutely no that that's the way it should be i mean the dj has to be versatile as a creator so mm -hmm. yeah I, I mean i guess to wanted to ask a little bit more about anti-social camp mm -hmm. and so obviously you have the upcoming event does anti-social camp do things ongoing and what is your role with that in terms of on the week to week basis? Like, is it is it finding artists and inviting them to come to the camp? Do people have to apply? Mm. Are you also teaching them about about the skills of DJs? Is it open for DJs as well? Like, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So the so antisocial camp um, as an event, uh, I just just first and foremost is a week long songwriting event where the main focus of the camp is to bring creatives, uh, artists, songwriters, and producers together to make music. That's the, the main goal at its core. And so it's a week-long event, Monday through Friday, and or Monday through Saturday, I should say. Tuesday through Thursday it are the main songwriting and recording sessions, um, which I'm mainly primarily responsible for. And then in addition to that, there's tons of different events throughout the week, different parties, different networking events, different showcases, where it really ends up, we, we kind of call it the, the South by Southwest of New York, but for songwriting, if that makes sense, where it ends up feeling mm -hmm. more like a convention that also has dope musicians making music throughout the week as well, too. Um, so the week long event is is super packed, super fun, really hectic, but like as as incredible of a of a music environment as as anyone I think can really ask for the months mm -hmm. leading up to it on on my end. So this is what's kind of going to be 
upcoming for for me in the next couple months that has been going on as well for the past couple years as the months lead up to camp. Um, applications come out and it's open to anyone and everyone that considers himself an artist, songwriter, producer, creative or otherwise. And once the applications close, my job is to go through all of the applications with Danny right. Ross, the, the founder, and mm -hmm. a smaller team of other music industry professionals and some interns will help out as well too, um, to pick the final roster based on um, you know, roles, making sure we have enough songwriters, enough artists, like enough producers to combine and pick and choose from for different sessions that we have enough genres covered where we're not in just one particular lane. So the bulk of, I would say, January through March or so is sort of teasing out what applicants are going to be selected for the final roster. And then in the meantime, mm -hmm. I'm also involved with, but not primarily, but in the meantime, the rest of the team with Antisocial Camp is uh, finding different studio partners to have these sessions at finding different brand partners to sponsor the event, different mm. venue locations, finding different artists that are going to want to perform specifically at these different events as well, too. A lot of back-end logistical things go on throughout the entire spring leading up to it. And then after camp, we kind of loosely game plan for the following year and think about how last year went. Um, but the the bulk of the work, I would say, really goes on from January all the way through June. And then the second half of the year is kind of loosely gearing up into the next year. Um, and so once, so January through March, go through applications, March through April, beginning of May is where the curation of the sessions starts. So I have this right. giant master spreadsheet with everybody's applications that have been selected for the final roster everybody's reels their spotify reels their demo reels and i literally go through the entire roster last year was around 200 or so artists songwriters producers and just go to town on matching up what artists what songwriters what producers i think would fit well together both musically, personality-wise, given that I've worked with a lot of them in prior camps and also interning during um, during my second semester of school, oh, wow. having, got, having gotten to meet a lot of these artists on our roster in person and other people that they've been associated with that are also applying for camp as well, I've been able to you know, get a feel for different personalities just for as long as I've been doing it. And considering, okay, what artists are going to really just vibe together in, in a session and come up with something dope at the end of it all. So it's not just, okay, like, what's the absolute best artist I can put with the absolute right. best mm -hmm. songwriter. I've matched, you know, artists with millions of streams on Spotify with you know producers who are just kind of up and coming but are really right. talented and fit the mold of the artist so there's a lot of different brainstorming a lot of back and forths going on and things are getting scheduled based on availability you know if people are only available for sessions on certain days um and 
in the meantime, I'm also communicating with the rest of the team because there's other things that are getting scheduled during the week, you know, whether it's, you know, showcases that people have to have, people have to get ready for. So they might not be able to do an afternoon session. Um, we do partnerships with uh, YouTube Music, Spotify that do one-on-one -on -one kind of sessions to kind of give right. industry mm -hmm. insights. So making sure that okay. sessions aren't overlapping with their, you know, other one-on-one -on -one sessions throughout the week. And then at the end of it all, by the end of, by early mid-May or so, this entire master spreadsheet of sessions is, you know, completed. And then as things lead up, some people's schedule changes, some people end up having to, you know, stay somewhere because, you know, a family member, something went on with a family member or something went wrong with another session and they have to stay an extra day. So a lot of like random schedule things will pop up the couple weeks leading up to camp. And so my job is to be a liaison for the artists, the songwriters and producers, but also their management, their A&Rs, their representation to make sure that everything's going smoothly. If somebody isn't able to make a certain session, I find somebody else that can fill the role appropriately. And then, yeah, during the week, it's just, you know, full steam ahead. Um, all the work is pretty much done going into it. And my job is to just make sure all the sessions run smoothly, touch base with all the different studio managers. Last year, I had a team of studio liaisons that I coordinated that were individually at all these different studios. So if any studio wow. manager had an issue with something, I would just shoot a text and tell certain people to go certain places because I, we had like 18 studio locations and I definitely mm -hmm. could not be at, at all of them. Um, <laughs> can't be days. everywhere at once um yeah i know it, it it it's really cool to be part of this um you know really well oiled machine of a team that runs this this event year in and year out and it's a very it's a very very small team i would say all in all we we only had i think 20 people all in all but 20 people that are very locked into the camp 20 people that you know, are doing this for the sake of creating really incredible music and fostering the the songwriting community in New York, um, where it again just by nature of the the people that we have and the the people that we're able to work with, the the people that are running the sessions, the studio managers who help us out run the sessions as well too, the different brand partners we have, we do a really great job with getting the right people involved with the camp that are also sharing the same vision as us to just make incredible music and leave egos at the door. I think it runs so well right. just by nature of all the different pieces that are involved that are in it for the, for the same reasons. Man, that's great. And it sounds like a, it sounds like a great event and a great opportunity to really make some great music. And you sound like you're doing really, really great things um with that platform so yeah continue that absolutely you, appreciate um, it thank you all right so aniti it's been great talking with you man and just seeing kind of how you use the program and aligned it with your passions of djing and producing and the things you're doing i have two more questions mm -hmm. and then we'll get out of here i ask all my guests these last two questions what are you curious about right now mm-hmm 
Yeah, I think I would say right now and something that I, I think I'm just going to continually be curious about, um, not just in terms of people in music, but hearing about and being curious about the stories behind people. And I think that's a big reason why I enjoy producing, why I enjoy engineering, why I enjoy working anti-social camp, and why I thoroughly enjoyed being in the music business program is that with people in, in music that I've met in particular, everybody has a story. Um, you know, you've talked about how other people in, in the program that you've interviewed as well have had similar stories where they pivoted at some point to get into music and everybody's got their own different reasons why they're doing music, different reasons why they pivoted. When I'm producing or engineering, it's more than just, okay, let's get this song done and out the door. There's so many conversations that get had in the room and talking about different aspects of life in an intimate setting and being able to hear somebody else's story and then put that energy into music, I think is one of the most special things that, that I, I'm able to do. And just always having that curiosity of what what people are interested in, where people are coming from, what their story is behind where they got to now, not just in their careers, but in their life. Um, I think that is, is something that I, I'm always going to have. And I think that's something that I am really appreciative of when it comes to working in music and being able to hear all those different stories and right. hear what everybody's up to and, and also interested in. Um, it, it definitely is a big thing that, that keeps me going, that, um, that makes me want to continue growing and doing all the things that I'm doing right now, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the final question, is if you could go back and talk to yourself on the first day that you started the program, what would you say to yourself? Uh, again, I'd say two things and I'll make it quick. One, um, never turn down a free show. I think I forget which <laughs> professor, forget which professor said that at some point. Um, but yeah, never turn down a free show. There were definitely not too many, but a handful of shows that friends have reached out to where they'd say, oh, like I have a free ticket or a friend of mine's doing a free show and I'll either have schoolwork or whatever thing at home that isn't as important that, you know, keeps me from getting out of my apartment and, and going to a free show. Um, but that's that's definitely one one thing I would tell myself because you never know. A, how much you're going to enjoy something like me, that. B, yeah, who you're going to meet. And if somebody's asking you to come to a free show, it means something to them too. You know? It means something to them, yes. Yeah, and that you mean something to them as well if somebody's hitting you up you know, versus yeah. everybody else. Um, so that that's one thing I would say. And the second I would say uh, is to always remember to have fun. And I think that was something that I got away from from a bit here and there, especially when schoolwork would would pick up um, or right. if I'd be, you know, when when I was in the program, I did a DJ duo artist project with another friend in the program and you would get so wrapped up into, oh, like we need to go out and meet these many people and make these connections and get these gigs or really stressing about 
who's coming and what songs we're going to play and a lot of things that just kind of took away from why I think people pursue careers in music at its core, I think is because it's, it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's fulfilling. And I think that's something that I, I do a little bit better of a job with now, whether I'm DJing or working a session or in the middle of the hecticness that comes with antisocial camp, uh, I always do the best I can to remember to to have fun, that it's it's music at the end of the day. I'm not performing <laughs> life-saving surgery for somebody like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but it's, it's, it's music at the end you of the day. You could have been, though. You could have been back in the day. You could have been. I could have been. I mean, I also don't want to take away from the people that are that are in med school and that are, that are doctors right. and how much it, it takes to get to that point. But um, no, I, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's music. Um, I, I like to say, uh, you know, I try to take what I do seriously, but not take myself too seriously, if that makes sense, where yes. at the end of the day, it's, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be enjoyable. And yes, like we, we all work hard in the industry in the ways that we do, but it's, it's so that we can, it should be so that we can enjoy it that much more and enjoy it along the way as well, too. Very, very well said. Um, everyone, that was Andrew Nitty Nitteruth, producer, DJ, curator, sessions director, um, mental health advocate, all of those things. Um, Nitty, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing. Quite, quite frankly, your unique journey and your unique experiences. And we're going to be looking out to see what you do next because suddenly you got a lot of ex- exciting stuff uh, coming down the pipe. Bryce, thank you for having me and thanks for chatting. I had a blast. And I, on that note, I had a lot of fun chatting with you as well, too. And uh, I appreciate all of your support along the way as well. Absolutely. Thank you for, for coming on the show, Nitty, and giving us your time. That is our show for today, everyone. Uh, you can follow me at BryceB88. Thank you for listening. I will um, have more episodes and more shows soon. But in the meantime, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to this episode of People from the Program. Be sure to check us out anywhere you listen to your podcasts and stay tuned for future episodes of the show.